Greetings and salutations, and welcome to Hacker Slash. If you're joining us again, welcome back. Well, that was one hell of a year, wasn't it? If this is your first time listening, welcome to the party. We are a horror movie review podcast dedicated to telling you whether a movie is a hack, a total joke, a waste of time, or a slash. Totally killer, pun intended. We believe horror is for everyone, and as such, we rate movies with the perspective we've gained from our varying walks of life and the flavors of fear we fancy most. My name is Chris, I'm your friendly neighborhood slasher enthusiast. This week I'm joined by the Superfly Space Kai Mac. Hola muchachos. The gore lover Alexis. Hey everyone. The cowardly creeper Ryan. We literally made it through another year. And the Scream Queen Paris. Hey sweets. Now normally we're here to rate movies, but this is our very last episode of 2021. So in true hacker slash tradition, it's time for us to look back on the year, reflect on what we've done, and set our course for 2022. First up, let's see what 2021 looked like for us by the numbers, courtesy of our Android Mac. Bleep bloop, I am your Android, here with some numbers. Let's look at it. This year, we recorded a total number of 63 episodes, but we watched a total number of 67 movies. Gotta love those rewinds and old versus new episodes. Love is a word to use in that sentence. Literally what I was going to say, right? (laughs) Now, all of that movie watching ended up costing us 168 hours of our time. I think it was a little bit longer for Chris, though, I would say. Who knows? There was a movie I had to watch like four times this year. Yeah, that doesn't include all the editing and everything. But honestly, that number 168 doesn't feel high enough for how many movies it feels like we've watched this year. Yeah, but also it doesn't include the hours lost to when we fell asleep and then had to wake up and rewind. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, It's just the runtime of the movie. Now, just because we're good friends, we actually spent more time recording 189 hours. Aww. It's so awesome. People always think... When they talk about the podcast, they always say, yeah, you know, your episodes are long. And I was like, yeah, it's even longer before it. But I do enjoy it. I really do. I mean, I've spent more time with you guys this year than I have with literally anyone else, including people I work with. Like, it's just this. (laughs) Honestly, that's impressive. But what's more impressive is how many hours Chris has spent editing this podcast. 504. JK, that also includes Ryan's editing time, because I did go back into our text messages and search for that number. Which I think is probably something close to like 15, 20? Damn. You both are serious angels here. Yeah, mine's a lot less than Chris's. Chris deserves all the recognition. And that's why Ryan kept asking us to drop down the total number of ums to make the editing a little bit more efficient. <laughs> Crazy yeah. what doing having notes does for you. Well, this past year, we handed out 106 hacks. And 188 slashes. Does that surprise anyone? I think we are generous as podcasters. What we don't know is that all 106 came from Paris. (laughs) And Ryan. Definitely me too. But mostly Paris. I was going to say that. (laughs) I'm here to keep us kosher. I think this year was a very slashy year for us. We had a lot of good picks. I agree. I actually, at first I thought maybe I was like softening up. And then I was looking back on the ones I slashed, and there weren't many where I had any questions. I was like, we reviewed a lot of good movies this year. We reviewed a lot of good movies, and we made a lot of good new friends. We had a 143% increase in our new patrons. Which is mind-blowing, because these are goals that we've had forever, that we're finally reaching and exceeding, which is really, really cool. It is really cool. Actually, we had this very specific goal of like a total number we would hit before we start expanding into other types of content. And we have finally hit it and maintained it. So there's like a level of churn where we'll have people come on and then after a little while they'll dip off. And sometimes people support is permanent. Sometimes it's temporary. 
right now at the rate we're sustaining, even with the churn, we've well exceeded that goal, which is super exciting. And honestly, one of the most shocking parts of 2021 for me. I'm not surprised at all by this. We put a lot of work and a lot of love into this podcast, and it naturally draws people who appreciate it. And I appreciate every single one of you, our patrons. I think by now I've probably said all of your names at least once on the pod in our follow-up segments, and I truly mean it when I say that your support means everything to us. Yes, thank you so much. It's just amazing to see how far this has come, and I can't wait to talk about our goals for next year later on the episode. Now, those were some hefty numbers here, but there is a number that only one gore lover here can prepare us for. Alexis, what's our overall body count for 2021? Y'all, I don't know if you've noticed, but we saw 880 bodies, specifically deaths in this entire year, which I don't know about you. That's a lot of deaths to be seeing. That feels insane. Yeah, but also we had a lot of movies that had no deaths or like one or two, you know, really low numbers. So that means we had enough to balance that to keep our numbers high. Yeah, we had something like 25, you know, and a lot of massacres and a lot of them that luckily I was able to count in some parts. <laughs> Bless your little counting heart. <laughs> Even with 880 kills, I still feel like I want more. Are you kidding me? I think I might have gotten a little depressed after, you know, <laughs> 800 and then it hit 880 and I started watching Hallmark movies. <laughs> Tis the season, Alexis. Tis the season. <laughs> exactly. Now, among those 880, we had a, a number of furry friends, maybe some scaly friends, maybe some other types of friends who blessed us with their presence on screen and Ryan had to account for in some shape. Ryan, what was the overall animal report for 2021? Yeah, it was pretty interesting. So most of our movies had a great animal report. And you guys at home might not know this, but we have like a few different ways that we rate them for our records. And it's like, you know, everything's cool or everything's not cool. And there's this one in between that's like, Peter would be pissed, but it's actually chill, which are movies like The Birds, for instance, right? Peter's not going to be excited about that. Yeah. And we had quite a few of those. And it turns out I hacked almost every single one that is a Peter wouldn't like this, but it's cool, which I just thought was interesting. That is interesting, but I think what's more interesting is that you didn't necessarily hack every single movie where a dog did die. I actually almost didn't hack any of them. That's wild. <laughs> I know. You would think. But, you know, usually if they're bold enough to put a dog dying or something in there, it's going to be a good movie. Mm, I don't know if I feel good about that precedence, <laughs> but here we are anyway. Now, with that bit of business out of the way, let's go ahead and get into some of the awards we have this season, where we look back at every episode we did, we dig into every movie we covered, and we come out with some slash awards. Now, these are going to be the positive things, so let's kick things off with Best Antagonist. I'm going to pick Michael Myers from Halloween Kills. Ew. Uh, How dare you? Y'all are so typical. How dare you snipe my answer when I was the first one to come up with answers? I think we're allowed to agree on answers. Ugh. I am furious, but honestly, you have great taste. Michael Myers, Halloween Kills, all the way. Okay, but we're also allowed to disagree on answers. He was 65, beaten to death by a group of townspeople, and somehow got back up. I call bullshit. I call resilience. <laughs> I call it Viagra. Michael Myers was a man worn down by 2020, and he still he rose. <laughs> what? He was in jail. He don't know what went on. I'll call mine really starchy because I'm calling the jeans from Slacks as the best antagonist of the year because <laughs> the jeans are so original. When you said starchy, I was like, what is she saying? What is going on? I was thinking potato. <laughs> I think that's going to be a new meme for next year. What a starchy killer. 
That's actually kind of fly. Okay, but you can't like force a meme. Okay, well, if you don't call it a meme, you can just say it and then it's not weird. I'm a little disappointed that nobody has said the clear best antagonist of the year, who is Jennifer Check, a.k.a. Megan Fox from Jennifer's Body. She's not killing people. She's killing boys. Honestly, that's a great one. And I'm a little mad that my answer was still duplicated because I looked at this list, went through, uh, and you'll see in later rounds, I even gave up some of the more obvious picks. So kudos to you. I mean, Jennifer is absolutely iconic. Yeah, I mean, that's the easy one, though, Paris. Like, have you seen Megan Fox? She's the best whatever you want to say. Any word that's there, she's the best. I went for The Thing because it's one of the most intriguing antagonists. And it was everyone. Everyone was the antagonist. That's the fun of it. Who's the imposter? And it gave way to your great The Thing versus Among Us uh, Venn diagram meme. Right. Oh, yeah. There's The Thing and there's Among Us and... In the middle is there's an imposter among us. (laughs) But also, I love that because it's so abstract that like we truly don't know what the thing was. Exactly. That's why it's so great. The thing is every antagonist. Yeah. I mean, I I do just want to preface the rest of this by saying I did have to go out of my way to not say Candyman in his house for every single category. So (laughs) I did my best here. You know, we appreciate your work, Ryan. Now we've we've gone through some really great antagonists here, but... Our next category dives deep into the minds of those antagonists and digs up their best origin story. I'll kick things off here with Kirat from Slacks because, oh my gosh, I didn't expect Killer Denim to hit that way. Deep cut. Yeah, well, I'm going to go for a bit of a troll here, but it does have actual meaning behind it, which is Mandy. Because, like, good backstory for Nicolas Cage going wild and killing everybody, but also... How dare he? That was mad intense and dramatic. (laughs) The most intense. Mine's going to be ambiguous, and it's going to be The Fog from The Fog. (laughs) I like the cool backstory, the gold, the pirating. The stealing of files from the internet. Exactly. All of those things. Very interesting. And I love how this fog moves around, too. So, love it. So when I saw the category Best Origin Story, one movie and one antagonist immediately came to mind, and that was The Lasser Glass from Oculus, who got a full mini-documentary explanation as to every person it had ever killed throughout space and time. And I think the thoroughness of that origin story is what really sold me. You know, not a bad one, Paris. Not a bad one at all. I had a big one I thought was really obvious, and that was Carrie from Carrie. Okay, Mac, I like that. Honestly, Carrie fits for almost every one of these categories. I, like Ryan, had to resist using that a whole time. It does fit well for a lot of them. Fits so much that it was my Halloween costume this year. That's right. Oh my god, it was. Also, listeners, if you have not checked our hacker slash Twitter, go there now and look at our Halloween costumes. You might have to scroll a bit. There was some work in it, including Paris's costume, which almost was my pick for this category, but we'll see if it wins any other awards. Let's go ahead and keep things moving along with our favorite final girl, who perhaps escaped some of those antagonists with the best origin stories. Does Tippy Hedren count from the birds? Absolutely. Why not? Yeah. All right. Well, that's my, obviously, like, it's just because it's Tippy Hedren. So that's my pick. You know how I feel about final girls. They mean nothing to me. So rude. So rude. Mine is obviously going to be Sydney from Scream 3 and Scream 4. Super excited and excited for January to be watching Scream 5. Well, my favorite final girl was from Happy Death Day. I think the (gasps) ultimate um, final girl. 
I literally put Tree Gelman from Happy Death Day because not only did she fail a hundred times as a final girl, she also just like had the best growth and development throughout her journey. We'll see how her growth and development continues in Happy Death Day to you. It's okay. Well, I haven't seen it yet, so I'm going to keep my hopes up. Any sequel that uses T-O-O, right? Like, no. Like, if they use, like, two as a two, no, I don't want to see it. I'm good. It's actually really good. If you say so. Yeah, we'll see. Mine actually happened to be a final girl, one of the final girls from the Fear Street trilogy, and that was Dina. Because A, why not lesbians? B, she's gorgeous. And three, she showed some great range doing that accent in 1666, and I'm proud of her. Hope we see more of her soon. Did she? I think she did. I think she was the best of the accents. I thought we agreed it was really bad. It was bad until you got settled into it. What did we review shortly after where we were like, oh, you know it's bad when the accents from Fear Street are good. Dracula. Oh, yeah. It was better than Keanu Reeves, Ryan. Okay, but that's Keanu Reeves, so that doesn't mean anything. Everything's better than Keanu Reeves. Well, speaking of the Fear Street trilogy, it actually has another appearance in our next category for memorable kills. Now, which of all the kills you saw this year stood out to you the most? For me, it was Kate, the bread slicer, Fear Street 1994, because, oh my God, that was unexpected. Okay, honestly, I had to stop myself from picking the same thing as Chris for several of these answers. That would have been one of them. I went for Carrie, just because of like the number of kills, like the whole prom gym room whole experience of everyone just dying, basically, I had to go for that. Our girl likes some carnage. I mean, and you know, I love some carnage. I'm going with the lawnmower scene at the party in Dead Alive. So iconic, oh, so yeah. good, and so bloody. It does deserve that. Oh, does it deserve anything? I wish we weren't even talking about it right now. I went memorable in a different direction, and I chose the son from the orphanage. What? Wow. wow. How depressing. <laughs> That's a very memorable kill. It sticks with you. It haunts you. It was. It was a haunting reveal. Yeah, like unfortunately memorable. So I was trying really hard to remember all of the kills as I was going through the movies we've done this year, and the only one I could choose was at the end of Neon Demon when Sarah, after having eaten Elle Fanning, vomits up an eyeball guts herself in front of Abby, and then Abby reaches for the eyeball and eats it. That was just like so, and like visually, ah, still to this day, remains very iconic in my mind. And I love how like she was obviously purging the eyeball, but the rest of us here are trying to purge that movie from our memories. (laughs) (laughs) I would like a time count of how long it took Paris in our end of year episode to mention the Neon Demon, because I'm surprised we got this far, honestly. It was first of mind for most of these categories. And I was like, well, let me really consider. I tried to distribute my answers across as many movies as possible. (laughs) Admirable of you, but there's no way it could have made its way into our next category, which is the best sequel or remake of 2021. This one's easy. A Quiet Place 2. Interesting. Nope. Those kids were annoying. Some of those kids were annoying. A good movie, not a bad movie, but it's obviously Halloween Kills. Totally. That's my vote, too. Yeah. Uh, Like, honestly, we didn't do that many sequels this year that were even, like, expected to be good. You know what I mean? I think Quiet Place is good, but it it is a bit of more of the same for me. So it is Halloween Kills. I have to say, and this really came in right 
in the final hour, but Scream 4 is one of my favorite sequels or remakes of all time. Wow. What a hack that was. (laughs) No. (laughs) Well, spoiler alert, if you are listening to this right now, before you listen to the Scream 4 episode that publishes later today, I'm so sorry. (laughs) Oh, it publishes later today? Oh, okay. So technically it was 2021, though. Yeah, it is. Fantastic. So really cutting cutting it close here. Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely. If anything, we're just teasing a great debate between Ryan and Paris, as always. We are. (laughs) Some of the best debates always are. Some of the best debates, indeed. But some of the best debates also center around the ending of these movies. Now, which movie featured the best ending of 2021? I'm going to pick a really weird one and say Shaun of the Dead, only because it was a lot of fun. Hmm. That's Mac, if you paid me a million dollars to explain the ending of that movie, or even to describe it vaguely, I would lose. Same. <laughs> oh, don't you remember, Paris? This was the infuriating part where this woman settled for less than what she was worth because she was bonded to Sean by trauma. Oh my God, sitting on the couch, yes. Oh, and his like his like douchey friend is like a zombie in the shed. Mm-hmm. Yep. Ugh. Mine's definitely have to be The Shining where Jack Torrance is in the photo at the end and you're just very tripped out about what actually happened in this hotel. Yeah, absolutely. And listener, if you're confused about why we're talking about The Shining, it's because you're not a patron listening to the patron feed where we cover The Shining in a rewind. Visit patreon.com slash hacker slash to earn cool perks like The Rewind for as low as $1 a month. We pay him to say that now. <laughs> Do we? I gotta say, my favorite ending, and this was really difficult and again, Ryan, props to me, I think, for going this long into the episode without mentioning this movie, but it's Malignant from 2021. The ending is really when the movie spiraled out of control for me, specifically the lesbian scene in the prison uh, where everything climaxes and is revealed in all of the best ways. Yeah. I once again would argue that's a terrible ending. But it's okay. We're all different here. And that's what makes us special. I'm going for two, I think, kind of predictable endings. And again, some of these are just really hard for me to stay away from. And it is his house. Because what a glorious ending. And an American Werewolf in London, which would be what I think I'm surprised I waited this long to bring up. Because of the the feeling that you have and the transformation back to humanity. It's just mm, so good. Yeah, some of your best work this year was on that American Werewolf in London episode. You know, I like to think it was as well. I'm really proud of it. That was like my most excited episode of all time. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it is a classic film. And I think my favorite ending actually comes from a prequel that loops right into another classic film, which is The Thing. I had no idea what I was getting into, but the way it just perfectly syncs up with little Dogadoo escaping and them launching into the helicopter to try to chase it down. Ooh, so good. That was a really seamless transition I forgot about. Honestly, one I don't know that I've ever seen before. That's because you didn't watch Rogue One. Well, here we are. Now, something that certainly was absent from the thing were some fashionable attire. So let's go ahead and get into our next category here, which film featured a character that was the best dressed in 2021 i had to think about this for a good bit but i picked lisa carol fremont from rear window <gasps> oh she did turn some looks oh my god i forgot about that you like that classic look don't you oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> if ryan doesn't pick tippy head from the birds i don't know what's gonna happen it really is ryan's vibe for sure no no no. the car this the thing she says those are my vibe but like her actual look like Although my hair is in the same clip tonight. It's it's not the vibe for me. 
Interesting. Well, now I've become a hat girl. So Rose the Hat from Dr. Sleep, <laughs> definitely a vibe. Definitely best dress for this year. She was a really hard choice to stay away from because she, she does have a look. Yeah, the velvet jacket, the boots. It, it was it was a look. Honestly, there were a lot of looks in that movie. Like that movie was a looker. Rose definitely did make some bold fashion choices, but they were not my taste. Obviously, I have to bring it back to my girl, Abby from Neon Demon, who is wearing really fierce looks the entire movie, specifically in the end when she's at that photo shoot and that like, like heavy metal, like hot rod, like I think it was Versace. I have no idea what it was actually. Um, but that was a really fierce look. And in general, she looked great in everything she did. You know, Paris, my first thought when I looked at this category was probably from Neon Demon. And then I thought about it and thought, man, I can only remember those outfits from the end. And I hated those. <laughs> <laughs> Elle Fanning had some really great looks in that movie, too. I believe it. I I kind of went for a, a bit of a trolley answer here. And it's American Werewolf in London because of that freaking awesome werewolf look he has. Okay. We can't deny how great that is. And also the Nightmare Demons, because they have such an intriguing look. I mean, just generally, American Werewolf in London is a movie that I have a hard time not giving every award to. But the look of those, like Chris has these dolls of them, and they're insane. They're just so cool. They're figurines. Dolls. (laughs) (laughs) They're action figures. I do apologize. They do do things. But yeah, I had to pick them. I went for best dress from like a cool perspective, not a fashion perspective. So my best dress is going to go to a moment of a person. And that was Lucy Westenra from Bram Stoker's Dracula 1992. Specifically when she's in the crypt, she's slayed. She's in the glass casket. She reemerges with a baby in tow and she is bloody. And drops that baby like a sack of bricks. Chris, I can't believe I forgot about her. She at That movie in general had really great looks. I really dropped the ball. I mean, I think I stand by my choice, but excellent choice on your part. Oh, thank you. I'm so glad you approve. But let's see if we all approve on each other's picks for best plot. Which movie had the best storyline of 2021? I'm going to steal one from Ryan and say his house. I will join Mac in pilfering that choice because his house had an incredible plot. Okay, it's obviously his house. There's nothing else. No matter what you guys say, there isn't anything else. Okay, his house is obviously fantastic, and I do have some other uh, comments to say about it later in the episode, but for me, it's actually Candyman, and it's the transformation and the reclamation of an urban legend into a martyr for a community. Hmm, not mad at that. Mine's not that complicated, but I thought it was pretty cool and original, is going to be Hush. Totally down for that. Alexis, that was actually one of my one of my choices as well. Well, thank you. I thought I was going to get some feedback from it being super simple. Simplicity is best sometimes. Agree. Yeah. Plus, Hush, such a good movie. It is a great movie. And I think it's because it's from the mind of Mike Flanagan, who actually was also the man behind my pick for most improved franchise. Now, I have some bad feelings about The Shining. Truly do. Hate the film. Love the book. But Dr. Sleep in 2019 absolutely turned me around and made me fall in love with the Shining universe. Chris, I think that's a great option for this category. I have to be honest, I don't know that I really have one. I did put A Quiet Place into our notes, but really, I don't think that the remake was as good or better than the original. I just, again, think it was a kind of more of the same. I don't know that there's ever been anything that is better than the original for me. I picked one and it was Wrong Turn. From 2021. Ooh. Oh, interesting, Mac. That's good. 
I actually chose that one initially. And then I was like, wait, I actually liked the wrong turn franchise to begin with. So I, I don't think it was much of an improvement for me. And then I realized Evil Dead existed. And I remembered how much I hated the first one. And I thought it was just some garbage bullshit and how surprised I was by the sequel and the different direction that it took. So most improved for me, for sure. Interesting, because mine was Black Christmas, although it was a remake. I definitely love the approach of how the newer version took things. Great choices all around. And I think when we look back on the year and the number of slashes we distributed, we had a lot of compliments. But we also know that on a show that also features Paris and Ryan, we're bound to have some hacks and even a few for me as well. I like how somehow Paris and I have become the like patron saints of hack antagonists of this podcast. Not at all. I think in a matter of parenting, you and Paris are the serious parents. Like you're the cool parents that don't fuck around while the rest of us are very nice and we let our kids do whatever the fuck we want. We're the disciplinarians. That's right. And sometimes for each other. Mm-hmm. That's hot. <laughs> you know what, Mac? Uh, to some people it is hot, but what's not hot are some of these hack awards we have coming up, starting with the stalk of shame. Who was the absolute worst antagonist of 2021? Hatchet. Easily. Worst? Are you kidding me? No, I'm not kidding. Basic, but not worst. I would not agree. Mac, were you not on the basket case episode? Because that thing in the basket was the worst antagonist I think I've ever seen in my life. Belial. Belial was my pick for worst antagonist. It was the thumbs. It was the assault. It was the crawling along the walls. Disgusting. The audio, the visuals. Yeah. All five senses were offended. But the puppetry behind it, from a practical sense, was impressive. Stop giving things credit when they don't deserve it. <laughs> I had, I have to. I can't. I can't. I mean, that man hid himself into a dresser to make that work. I will discipline you right now. Oh. The commitment, I can say, did exist. But to what end, you know? Like, why would you commit so hard to something that stupid and bad? I wanted to say basket case, but I didn't want to be like everyone else. So somehow... I made Nicolas Cage from The Wicker Man 2006 the worst what? antagonist. I don't know how he's an antagonist. <laughs> I'm not mad at it because he's not the antagonist of the movie until you see how fucking sexist he is, really. He's just a misogynist. He's unbearable to look at. He's just the worst kind of person in this movie. He's an antagonist for the people. Yeah, I'm Team Alexis making him an antagonist. He's an antagonist to the tradition. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> also, every time I think of Belial's name, I just think Beelzebub. <laughs> Alexis, I love your creative thinking and uh, turning Nicolas Cage into an antagonist, but let's see how that creative thinking continues into our next category, which is worst origin story. Which killer had the shittiest backstory? And I gotta say, for me, it was Trick from Trick 2019, because it's kind of homophobic. Oh my god, Chris, same, but not because of the homophobia, just because of the sheer stupidity of it all. It's all real dumb. I didn't even think about that for Origin Story. That was, uh, that's a good pick. Um, I, however, am going to bring back Belial and say Basket Case had the worst Origin Story because Basket Case was just Basket Case. So I don't know what else you could say. I mean, I, I think we got a better version of this story in another movie we reviewed, for sure. Mac, I think you're talking about Malignant. But I feel like the only thing that Belial got right was the origin story. I'm sorry, Paris, but spoiler, uh, Neon Demon is going to come up a lot 
in this section for me. I was just looking at my notes. And I was like, damn it, man. <laughs> but wait, what was the origin story there? There wasn't one. That's what I'm saying. It was pretty women living in LA fighting over looks and who's going to be the top model and the top person this week. And to me, can't relate. I loved your background that you gave during that episode. But honestly... Everyone had the shittiest backstory in that. <laughs> it's okay, Alexis. Not everybody knows what it's like to be hot. Alexis is pretty hot. No, Alexis is very hot. But I wouldn't know what it's like also to live in LA where everyone is hot, right? No one's hot in LA. Well, climate change, everyone's hot everywhere. <laughs> so I'm here to agree with Alexis. Basically, for origin story with me, if you just have to not have one for it to be a bad origin story. And Neon Demon is that. I don't really know what else is a bad origin story. Everything else feels okay. I didn't see tricks, so I don't know. The other one that I was wondering about is Happy Death Day, but I actually can't remember if there was an origin story of the killer there. I think it was just like a thing happening, right? Ryan, I do remember you hating the motivations of the killer in that one. Yeah, that sounds about right. That sounds like me. Maybe I knew subconsciously. Well, we've certainly had our share of bad killers, but sometimes the folks who make it to the end are also shitty. So for our next category, who is our worst survivor? And I got to say, Mother Superior, Silent Night, Deadly Night, 1984. How the fuck did she make it to the end of that movie? Billy should have gotten her long ago. I mean, I know she's a nun. I get it. Why am I wishing this upon her? But also she was toxic and terrible. And definitely deserved an axe to the head. She had the power of Catholic guilt on her side. Also toxic and terrible, Abby from Neon Demons. Sorry again, Paris. <laughs> no, I actually almost put that to Alexis because like she was like the worst. But I was like, well, I guess I'm not mad about that. So instead, I tried to come up with somebody that I was mad that lived. And it was the douchey boyfriend from Halloween 2018 in like the Bonnie and Clyde costume. Because why did he live? And yeah, we saw what came of that in the later movie so it was like they were playing the long game but at that point in time worst survivor Mm, okay that's fair but boy did he get got and i loved every second of it for me i picked worst survivors based on what they did when they survived and so i picked the survivors of sphere because (laughs) what was that what were we doing (laughs) the power of forgetting (laughs) that is a great rationale right i I mean i guess i know that they were trying to do the right thing or whatever but I, I had to pick someone that I don't know if I'm mad that they survived. I just thought that they were just a bad character as a survivor and as everything they did. And that's Keanu in, in Bram Stoker's Dracula. Oh, my God. Yeah, he had no business surviving. Literally, in my mind, he didn't survive. Well, that's because we talked about in one of the alternate endings, he would have died. They would have found his dead body. Better ending. Well, while some of those survivors were pretty shitty, sometimes the worst part of these movies is the lackluster way in which some of these people go out. Of all the 880 deaths in 2021 for us, which one was the absolute worst for you? I know you guys are going to have a lot of really meaningful kills. And so I went for one that's just because I wish there was more. And it's Rear Window because were there even kills? Technically, yes, but like not really. And that's a movie that has so many lovely things happening, but not enough killing. Interestingly enough, the only kill I remember from that movie was the dog. Oh my God. That's, you're actually right. That was 50% of the kills. So that tracks. I did also mention House of a Thousand Corpses just because I think I hated everything so much. I wish it didn't exist, but I couldn't name anything specifically. (laughs) That's a big ouch. Well, I'm about to hurt you even more, Alexis, because 
my worst kills were the kills from Dead Alive. Not not one in particular, just having to see like parts of human like beings fall into their pudding. I'm sorry, the whole thing. Oh, oh yeah. once again, I wish it didn't exist kind of thing. Very gross, but I don't think Alexis has the emotional attachment to Dead Alive that she does to House of a Thousand Corpses, so I don't think she's going to come for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I won't. I'm coming for Ryan, though, so be careful. I'm here. You, you can have me. Since I am the gore lover, it would obviously be on brand for me to pick the best ones to be the goriest. So what comes to mind is going to be a security guard in Leprechaun 2, where he's just run over the little Leprechaun's mobile. So the little car from uh, Leprechaun 2. So pretty lame, not not probably the worst of the year, but worse for me. If when he got run over, his head had been smashed in, you would have been like all for it. Yeah, but that's not on brand for Leprechaun, so... I understand where you're coming from. Still lame. For me, it's a recent kill that's still stuck with me for how bad and flaccid and impotent it was. And it's the opening kill we get from Stay Alive, where one of the characters is hung by like a video game ghost off a balcony, but they pull the audio at the worst moment and you get the most unsatisfying hanging death of all time. And it's supposed to be like the exclamation point on that scene. And it was like an ellipses. Not even. It was like I don't know, a semicolon? Was it just like taking you right to the edge or? Not even. It got you like halfway there and then just like fell asleep and you're like, I guess I'll leave. Oh my God. Well, mine is also a death that feels pretty impotent. And that is Rob from Friday the 13th, the final chapter, 1984. Big, strong Rob dies in the shadows. And it wasn't so much the fact that he got got. It wasn't even the fact that he got got kind of off screen. It was the shouting we got. Oh, God, he's killing me. He just sounded like a little bitch. Chris, I have no recollection of this whatsoever. But from your description, it sounds like I agree. Yeah, I also remember nothing. It was awful. Let me see if I can find a clip for it. Because it is it is really underwhelming. And the worst kills are just that. Underwhelming. Underwhelming is such a great way to describe that, Paris. And I'll tell you what. Sometimes we're also underwhelmed by the quality of some of the sequels and remakes that we've seen within the year. As we look back on 2021 and we think about the sequels, we think about the remakes, which one was the absolute worst? The worst sequel or remake for me this year was a sequel, and that was Jaws 2. Because Jaws 1 is just so good. And then you get Jaws 2 and you're like, okay, like it's all right. It's just compared to Jaws 1. You know, it's not, it's like as if we had seen the original Star Wars and then the next movie that came out was episode one. That's kind of what it would feel like. All right, Mac. Well, don't be surprised because they get worse. But to me, they're cheesy enough where they're good. Well, that's the thing. Jaws 3, Jaws and Sea World is cheesy enough to be good. But Jaws 2 is just kind of boring. Okay, but hot chick water skiing. Leprechaun. Amen. The first one was ass. And the second one was just worse. Amen. Agree. It wasn't even the good cheesiness like we're talking about. It wasn't the, you know, punny humor that I like around St. Patrick's Day. So, yeah, that was my vote as well. I don't even think I was on the Leprechaun 2 episode, and I put that just because I know it was bad. (laughs) That tracks. I'll allow it. Okay. I can respect all of those answers, but for me, it was The Wicker Man from 2006 because, holy shit, that original is known for what it's known for, right? It's it's got this really weird feeling. It has some interesting music choices. But fucking hey, Nicolas Cage. Not the bees. No, not the bees. It was just too much. It was too much. It was a slap in the face to the original. Yeah, I'm, I'm not mad at that choice either. 
Thank you for agreeing with me, Ryan, because, man, The Wicker Man even had a really shitty ending, which brings us to our next category, the most disappointing ending. Spoiler alert. Mine was both the OG and the remake of The Wicker Man. (laughs) Wow. Very lackluster when you're just burned alive. Yeah, lackluster is how I would describe that. (laughs) (laughs) Being being burned alive. Well, this sucks. (laughs) Never change, Alexis. I love you so much. (laughs) I went for the people under the stairs, and I... I just gasped. I I mean, I just feel like it just, like, wrapped up, but did it, like... I don't know. I uh, For some reason, something in my heart said that, and I just ran with it. And I don't know that I completely know why my heart said that. Do you remember? I remember the money falling from the sky. That's the only thing I remember. <laughs> I think I'm pissed because the kids just walked out like they had never been out of a basement before, and now they're just walking into society. It was quickly very casual. Yeah, very casual. Doesn't make sense. Another ending that I thought made no sense at all. I'm sorry, but it's... Halloween kills. Michael Myers did die on that street. And then for him to get back up was a slap in the face to everybody that was watching the movie. I'll be honest, Paris has chosen a very Ryan logic argument to run with for this, and he's not letting go of it because I'm usually the person that's like, that didn't make sense. I'm not, I can't get on board, but it is Paris. He is a senior citizen. (laughs) He is literally though. He is evil. And while they think evil dies tonight, Evil rises tonight because it cannot be vanquished. <laughs> he it has an AARP card. In the third one, I really need them to say like, oh, there was a ritual performed that allowed him to do these things. And I will get back on board very quickly. <laughs> oh, that's so Jason, though. That's... I'll take whatever at no. this point. They'll never explain the magic of Mike. I, I had a tough time with bad endings. And I feel like most of the movies we watched this year had really good endings. Like most of them. And the other ones that didn't were like still like okay endings. But I want to go back to Stay Alive because the ending was up and like it was good, right? And then you get to the actual end of the movie and it was bad at that point. It just ruined it for me. Like total sequel baiting for no reason. I can respect that. Sequel baiting is a way to go. And I, I can respect your choice of, of that disappointing of an ending when that movie I feel like had some potential. For me, I picked an ending that was... A big old exclamation point of a WTF at the end of a movie that I was already pretty patchy at best. And that was Hatchet from 2006 because, man, that was infuriating. Just the very sudden cut of that. However, it did inspire me to watch this the next one. So I guess I can't be that mad. I have to say the amount of times that you guys have mentioned Hatchet and Trick, um, at least those two, lets me know I missed some of the worst movies of the year. You really did, Ryan, which is why I was mad whenever I found out you weren't going to be on those episodes. <laughs> it wasn't intentional. It just worked out that way. Okay. Well, that's luck indeed. But let's move things on into our next category, which is the worst dressed. The Pilgrims from Pilgrim. Oh my God. Very good answer, Mac. Didn't even occur to me to clock those Party City buckle shoes. Oh, the buckles. They're, the buckles, I think, really ruined it. The one that came to mind immediately for me was the character whose name is woman from the people under the stairs and her fashions in that movie. I just remembered them being distinct and I looked it up and I was like, Oh yeah, they were so bad that they were almost humorously good. Yeah. I I didn't actually have a great answer for this one. I just wrote Nicolas Cage because I figure it applies. I don't know. Everything else about (laughs) him is a little rough. So I assume his outfits are too. I just want to 
I just want to back this up to say, I'm, I'm sorry, Paris, you went with the woman and not the man who's dressed in a leather suit? That was a concept. That was a concept. Well, Paris owns that leather suit, so how could he knock it? <laughs> <That's right. laughs> Definitely going to have to say the cast in Hatchet. One, overalls for our main antagonist. Not the hottest thing, but also this cast is dressed very 90s, and they also put Candyman in a horrible purple sort of outfit with fluttery blouses you guys remember that first scene i do yes horrible okay alexis you picked a movie from 2006 and i gotta agree with you on a film from 2006 because i think early 2000s fashion was some of the worst and that for me is the entire total sum of everyone in stay alive terribly dressed the whole lot of them including the generic jim halpert what about october she had a couple looks you know what? The problem is I don't even remember her because what I do remember is him, is Swink, and also Finn. All of them look like trash. Honestly, fair. Who am I defending that movie? Who are you indeed? Because some things are just indefensible, including the worst plot. I have to copy my previous answer and say Pilgrim once again. Didn't see it. Still support it. Mac, I'm right there with you. Absolutely worst plot. For us to think that that woman could forcibly invite a guest over to her neighbor's house makes no sense. Oh, I'm going to go basket case because what? So initially I wrote April Fool's Day and Alexis got mad at me and was like, what? So I thought about it a little bit more and I still kind of feel that way. But then I rewrote Valentine because it was like so cliche and predictable. It's just like the classic, like, here's the list of people I'm going to kill. Fine. Because of something that happened to me in my childhood. Right. Yes. Very not original at all. Sounds like basket case. But to like be mad at a Valentine's dance and then like send everybody Valentine's that you're mad at. Yeah, it's very you, Paris. Yeah, I don't remember anybody else liking this movie, actually. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Sorry, Paris, we have a neon demon again in this category. Honestly, fair. The plot was loose, to say the most. Very loose. Loose at best, what a way to put it. Because, you know, some of the reimaginings of some of the franchises we got this year were also loose at best. For our next category, let's go least improved franchise. So, you know, perhaps we saw a second film, perhaps we saw a third film. Which one was a truly shitty follow-up to the original? And I gotta say, for me, it's Jaws 2. Not the worst sequel, not the worst remake of the year, but certainly as a whole, that franchise, terrible quality. As a whole, I agree. And that's kind of how I feel about uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 3. What? Sorry, Ryan. Dream Warriors. That's the one I liked. I can't believe that. So I thought I didn't actually have a pick for this. I basically said like all the franchises are usually not improved. It's actually Fear Street for me. As it goes, it gets worse. That is true. Part three is horrible. Yeah, honestly. And I understand they all came out together. So it's kind of like a tough thing to say, but I feel like I can cheat the system here. That's fair. I can respect that. Can you? Or do you hate me? I forgot how... decisive we were on that episode ryan and i do hate you yeah (laughs) i'm okay with it i don't respect that i completely disagree (laughs) and this is why we're friends exactly i think i interpreted this a little bit differently um because i thought of like the sequel that like did the least to improve the franchise and for me that was spiral from the book of saw because I feel like, like, yeah, it was okay, but like, it wasn't really giving what Saw was giving. And I feel like as a sequel, didn't need it. That's so funny, because that was the one that I enjoyed more than Saw. Oh, yeah, that's true. 
least for me. Speaking of saws, though, my least improved franchise was the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, uh, specifically part two that we watched, I thought did no better than the first one. How could it get worse? But yeah, it did. It was so silly. The giant chainsaw, the sexual chainsaw. Oh, my God. I forgot all the things. Yeah. The the chainsaw battle. Ooh, and chop top. The chili cook off. Oh, can I say for a later category, I actually had to revisit the Texas Chainsaw Massacre rewind episode and both ryan and i slashed it for reasons we can't explain because i was like i don't remember slashing this so i had to like listen back to what i said it feels weird but i i could see myself doing that well what a walk down memory lane for truly some of the worst of the worst that we've seen throughout the year but now it's time to spice things up a little bit with some more flavorful categories let's go with our first didn't need to see nip what was the most unnecessary incident of nudity in a horror film this year? The only one that initially stuck out to me is Carrie, the original, because it was just like a lot. Also, I bet Mac is going to say Slumber Party Massacre. You are incorrect. Ooh. I'm going to say Silent Night, Deadly Night, for sure. Yeah, I think all of us that were on that episode thought of that immediately when we saw this category. And Ryan, I think the butt cheeks in... Slumber Party Massacre were crucial to that plot. I also agree. I think Mac disagrees. <laughs> That's the point. I do indeed disagree. But we're not talking about butt cheeks. We're talking about nips. We're talking about general nudity, but nip is more fun to say. Paris, funny you mentioned that everyone would probably agree that was on the episode. I wasn't and still put that because I ended up <laughs> seeing it because I wanted to so bad. I was in the holiday mood and watched it. And I was like, yep, this is a lot of boobies. Oh, yeah. So much booby. I would agree as well. Silent Night, Deadly Night from 1984 had so much nip that wasn't necessary and honestly could have been concealed very easily. But in the spirit of concealment, let's move on to our next category that Paris is inspired. Wiggiest wig. <laughs> this category is for that one wig that made you go, that's a wig. And for me, it's really the obvious Sharon from Basket Case, 1982. Ah, an iconic wig. Same. <laughs> Probably the first instance of wig this year that I thought, wow, what a fucking wig. Because it takes, a, it, honestly, it takes a lot for me to notice. I remember when we first saw her behind her desk and I was like, whoa, wig. <laughs> honestly, the wig was more iconic than her. Truly, I remember nothing that she said or did. I remember the wig. And we remember that she wore the wig because she was in a punk rock band at the time. The actress was. I forgot about that, but I like remembering that now. Well, my favorite wig has to be from Michael Myers that is attached to a mask, which is really authentic. A two for one, really. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't really notice many wigs this year, so I'm going to just uh, agree with Paris and Chris uh, because I don't really have an entry of my own. Okay, Mac, that actually wasn't my wig pick, and you might agree with mine more. Dracula from Bram Stoker's Dracula. Oh, that's good. With the bad hairline forcibly put on that man. It, you know, you know why it's a good pick? It's because like they're like, let's do this on purpose. Uh -huh. like, they wanted that look specifically. They went for wig. Oh, they went for wig. And honestly, the quality of that wig was a little surprising for me. Again, I, I know I said it in the episode that movie did not bring to life an older, decrepit Dracula that I imagined from reading the books. But speaking of such a surprise, let's go with our next category, which is biggest surprise. So that's for the movie that we thought was going to be like either a super hard slash or hack and then ended up surprising us and being the complete opposite. And for me, that has to be The Final Girls because I was so excited to see this movie when I first saw it. I saw the trailer. I read the synopsis. I saw the cast and I was like, oh, easy slash. And I ended up not enjoying it whatsoever. 
I have one that I didn't think I was going to enjoy, and that was Student Bodies. I thought it was just going to be like really bad humor and not an enjoyable watch. And then we watched it, and you were like, I can actually get down with this humor. Man, I'm actually on board with that because, you know, as soon as I saw it was comedy, I was like, oh, no. But it wasn't bad. For me, it's actually The Thing because we have a coworker who was like dying for me to watch The Thing and showed me a trailer. And I was like, there's no way in the world that I will enjoy this movie. It was actually quite good. The other one that comes to mind in the scenario is actually Neon Demon because I didn't know what it was about. And I thought I was going to like it just looking at the cover. And then when I read what it was about and then watched it, I was like, oh, God, what, the, what are we doing here? What are we doing? So it really messed me up. I was really pushing for it during the co-host clash. Which is interesting, Ryan, because it was my pick. Yeah, I should have known better. So I don't know how to follow directions. And I just took this as the movie that had the biggest surprise for me in general, which is going to be Malignant. Everyone probably could have called what was going on. Um, I didn't, and I appreciate that. And it was very shocking. I've never seen something like that in a movie before. Alexis, I'm very surprised that that was a surprise to you. Who would think that there was a Voldemort like in the back <laughs> of someone's head? I think anyone who watched the first scene of the movie. <laughs> I mean, I saw it, but you know me. I don't. I don't think too deep into movies. I like the ones where I don't have to think. So I'm very surprised at the end. I just want to note, most people didn't know. We are podcast people. We pay attention too much. Every other person I've spoken to was like, no, I didn't know. But also, you're such a Harry Potter fan. How would you not even suspect that? Because that was original for its time. I didn't think anyone else would try to copy J.K. Rowling. (laughs) Okay, I'm sorry, what? That was original at the time. Yeah, it was original at the time. That's why you think no one would copy it years later? I didn't think anyone would be able to replicate it as well. Okay. Okay. Malignant is the little-known prequel to Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. (laughs) I want to see that fan cut. But something that really shocked me this year was the experience of Silent Night, Deadly Night. I mean, you can go back like an episode and hear that surprise because I really thought it would be campy 80s slasher. And it was a really harrowing tale about trauma. And I wasn't expecting that at all. I actually forgot how much I was surprised by that too, Chris. So, totes. It was so recent. I wish we had a category for every time Chris calls something harrowing. Okay, we can do that next year now that we have transcripts. (laughs) Make sure you take notes. Most harrowing tale. Oh, I do take notes. Do a command F right now and probably find it all. No lie, I was using command F. Not command F, but I was using the search function of good notes to look up things like hot and daddy. And perhaps part of why I expected that from Silent Night, Deadly Night was because, you know, I'm a sucker for 80s slashers, which brings us to our next category of guilty pleasures. Yes. And this category is for movies that you really enjoyed, but like maybe they're not really great. You know, we all have those guilty pleasures. Oh, mine was totally Stay Alive. Anything with Frankie Munez. Stay Alive was like having a moment in life. Like we were all a part of Stay Alive, I feel like, back in the day. Agree. For me, it's Rear Window. I... I've mentioned this recently, but I, I, Rear Window has suddenly come up like 18 times in my life since I've seen this movie. I don't know when I would have ever watched it otherwise. I don't know why people are talking about it in my life, but it's here. I don't think it's a great movie, but man, I love the time. I love the visuals. I wish a little more went on, but it's just, it's good. It's just one that I really liked. I can't believe you would describe that as a guilty pleasure because it's legitimately a classic. Right, but sometimes classics are bad. Sometimes. Often. While I famously take no guilt in any of my pleasures, I can recognize that as much as I loved Valentine, most people would probably hate it. That's right. I don't know that I have a guilty pleasure. I think if I liked a movie, it was a good movie. It entertained me. 
I don't think there, you know, with the picks that I enjoyed, can you pick one that, you know, I should feel bad about enjoying? I don't know. I think Max should feel bad about nominating Sphere, which is not a horror movie. Okay. I think Mac is a pre- is repressing his Catholic guilt. Yeah, yeah, guilt built right in, boy. <laughs> no. Sphere is not a bad movie. It's a great movie. It's not as you know, deep in the horror genre that you would, maybe you would want it to be Paris, but we can call it my guilty pleasure pick simply because everyone else thinks I should feel guilty about it. Everyone else being just me. Yes. Just, just because Paris says so, we're going to go with Sphere. I would like to note that as you go through our records of hacks and slashes, Mac has never been a soul or even duo slash. It's always like with the group, like Mac does what the group does. Okay. He's not here for the the teetering like the rest of us i think what we need next year is a deeper analysis of those kinds of things ryan does that mean that mac is relatable or basic i don't know i didn't look at the hacks i don't know if he ever hacks anything by him lonely i did remember i don't know if you remember my thoughts on fear street but that was a a solo hack for me the original yeah yeah that's it that's like the only thing you're more on hacks by yourself like you were on there like fear street but but slashes, you're always with the group. This data is starting to feel loose. <laughs> How dare you? Well, something else that was starting to feel loose, actually, Paris, was something that you called me out on during the recording of this episode because I did slash it. And that's Hatchet from 2006. Because here's the thing. It's not great. <laughs> it's barely serviceable. But oh my gosh, it did get me to enjoy the Hatchet 2 with Daniel Harris. So I just, I couldn't be mad at it, man. It's something that I'm glad I saw. In fact, I have a little Victor Crowley Toonie Terror from NECA on my dresser right now. He is Jason 3.0, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm here for it. How quickly this has escalated. You now own merch. I do. Well, here's the thing, though, because I want to collect all pieces of like horror figurines of the Toonie Terror or the Ultimate Collection from NECA, but I will not buy a piece of merch from a movie I haven't seen. So I've hold, held off on Victor Crowley until I saw it. I held off on the Nightmare Demons for an American Werewolf in London until I saw it. And I've hold, held off on any Evil Dead stuff until I saw it. And that, listeners, is called Integrity. Oh, thank you, Paris. Now, something that I wasn't loose about at all was my pick for best movie of the year. And I've held off mentioning it all the way up until now, because obviously Halloween Kills is amazing. But my best movie is His House 2020. Thank you, Ryan. Yep. Amen. You're welcome, my people. You're welcome. Paris, I don't know why you have that face. Wait, I'm just making sure. This is of all the movies that we reviewed this year, including Halloween 2018. Yep. Damn, Chris. Yes, including Halloween 2018, his house made me feel things. And Halloween 2018, we know is like a default pick for me. The Halloween franchise default pick for me. But Halloween, while it moves me in so many ways, I've never seen a movie that explores the journey that those two went on and also triggers so many elements of my own experience, like being the child of an immigrant and then the, the, you know, the trauma and the drownings that I saw and witnessed in the Navy. That movie hit such an emotional punch for me that just really takes it to another level. His House is one of the best movies I've ever seen. One of them. 
I really enjoyed that movie, but I think I just go for horror that's not like pulling at my emotions, making me cry, all that kind of stuff. So I picked something that I thought was my favorite from the year, best movie this year. It's going to be Jennifer's Body. And I think because I love all the listeners' interactions and even people I got mentioning stuff at work, which I thought was interesting, saying, oh my gosh, you reviewed Jennifer's Body? And I was like, oh, this is this is great for me. This is great. I mean, as much as I love The Neon Demon, nothing this year has the rewatch value that Jennifer's Body has. And Alexis, I'm right there with you. Best movie we've done all year. One of my top 10 favorite movies of all time. We're surface level people, but it's okay. Well, aren't we a little house divided? But listen, I mean, as surface level as it was, there was depth. So you can opt into the depth or not. There's something for everybody. Whereas if you watch his house, you're gonna feel bad. That is true. That is true. I also just have to say I'm so proud. Speaking of Jennifer's body, I know this isn't the category for it. I know Paris would never call this the best movie of the year. But I'm so glad that he and I saw eye to eye on Black Christmas 2019, which I think is the next coming of Jennifer's body. Oh, totally. I'm glad. Not in terms of quality of comedy and and sassiness, but truly in terms of a movie before its time that people hate and then will ultimately recognize is a is a great feminist film. I can absolutely agree. Like even five years from now, people are going to be like, why did we all sleep on Black Christmas 2019? And we're going to be like, because you're idiots. Some people will say that. (laughs) There will be think pieces. There will be some people saying things. Well, we picked out our favorite movies, but we actually had some votes submitted by our patrons for the Patrons Choice Award. Now, this award is in recognition of the best new release this year. Paris, would you like to read the nominees? In the category of Patron's Choice Award, the nominees are Wrong Turn 2021. Cue a clip of Wrong Turn, specifically the clip of the log smashing Vardan Aurora in the face. Slacks 2021. They're all 2021. Spiral 2021. A Quiet Place 2 2021. The Complete Fear Street Trilogy 2021. Candyman 2021. <laughs> Halloween Kills. 2021, Malignant, 2021, and finally, Slumber Party Massacre, 2021. <laughs> Ryan, by the time you brought that to my attention, I realized it was too late. It was, it was like on spiral. <laughs> you could have gone back. Now, before we reveal the winner of this category, I'd like to point out the film that I got 0% of the vote, which is Spiral. Right. A very no love up in here. Understandable. Come on, flop. Tied with a total of 9% of the vote, Wrong Turn, Slacks, A Quiet Place 2, and Candyman. Which is surprising. I agree. What mix, mixed company there? I mean, in total, that's 36%. Mm-hmm. With 12% of the vote, Slumber Party Massacre. Again, very surprising. With 15% of the vote, The Fear Street Trilogy and Malignant. I'm not mad about that. And finally, with 21% of the vote, the overwhelming majority in terms of these individual films... The Patron Choice Award goes to Halloween Kills. Chris. Clap, 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 clap. Clapping, clapping. <laughs> well, well earned, I think. Well deserved. Michael Myers comes up to the stage, accepts the award, and delivers a speech. And the speech is just. <sighs> <laughs> and then he kills whoever handed him the award and the people trying to usher him off the stage. 
<laughs> love that. Love that. I, I promise you can download the votes, Ryan. I will submit the CSV file to you. I did not break the votes. And I just want to mention his house couldn't be in that poll because it did technically come out in 2020, which is sad because it definitely would have won. Oh, absolutely. And absolutely would have. And I can't wait to continue doing this award every year. But we've talked about some good movies. Let's talk about the bad movie, the overall worst movie of the year. All at once now, The The Neon Neon Demon. Demon. Um, I will say not everyone is gifted with good taste. I listened back to that episode and y'all were really just missing the point. The patrons know. The patrons left their comments. I am at peace with this. This movie is not for everybody. However, I do feel like objectively worse was Basket Case. That movie was absolute ass garbage (laughs) bullshit. But it didn't make us feel anything. That's why it wasn't as bad. Okay, but at least Basket Case looked like shit. The Neon Demon at least gave you something to look at. Basket Case, you just write off for fun. You know, you don't worry about it. The Neon Demon featured a young woman being brutally attacked and murdered in a hotel room while someone else did nothing. I think I'll pass. I would rather rewatch Basket Case than rewatch Neon Demon. Yep. Mm -hmm. That's fine. I look forward to never talking about this movie with you turds again. (laughs) (laughs) If we're lucky. Now, speaking of the Neon Demon, winner of the first ever round of the co-host clash, we do have an award to uh, present to our co-host champ. And this is the winner of the co-host clash whose individual film marked the highest ratings overall and that was ryan earning a universal slash for hush from 2016 well i'd like to thank my family and all the people who made this possible and and the people who supported me as i worked so hard on this but i also do kind of feel like i just stole it from everybody because i clearly picked a crowd pleaser (laughs) and people like mac and paris pick something that they wanted to have on the podcast that would normally be here hush belonged here and i knew you guys would love it but i also didn't know i was getting an award for it so technically i didn't cheat (laughs) had i known there was an award for this i would have approached this differently (laughs) see well now you know we'll see you in 2022 Now let's keep things moving with our next round, which is Mommy Dearest. Who is the worst mom of all the moms we saw this year? Carrie's mom. Yep. Margaret White, for sure. Zero out of ten. Specifically as Julianne Moore portrayed her. And I'm thinking of the quote, you are cancer. I thought you were cancer. I think the mom in OG has more delivery and more of that feeling to be the worst mom of all the moms. I think they're both real bad. I've never been more offended. I had to pick somebody different. From the mother from Carrie. So I just chose the mother from Slumber Party Massacre because she produced that child. <laughs> oh. Oh, that mother. The killer's mother. Not the... Okay, got it. No, yes. The the protagonist's mother was great, but the killer's mother was, was Basura. In hindsight, though, was that mom not a lesbian? Oh, definitely a lesbian. This is what happens when you live a repressed life. Mm, mm. When you're forced to procreate, when you're forced to settle down with some man and have a child, that child also endures trauma. Really, just kiss ladies. (laughs) In conclusion. (laughs) What a bumper sticker. Munchbox. (laughs) And and speaking of the lesbians, mine is actually going to be Sam's mom from Fear Street. Because, man, she was mad homophobic in 1666. Also, she seemed real not cool with it in 1994 either. So, fuck it. Terrible mom. Yep, she was a bitch. But let's turn things right around with our Best Daddy Award. Wait, I'm just realizing now the inherent misogyny of these two categories. Worst mom, best dad. (laughs) Oops, who came up with both? (laughs) Me. (laughs) I will do better in 2022. (laughs) Sure, this is your authentic self. 
obviously the hottest daddy. Ryan, shall we say it in unison? Was. Candyman. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, as Candyman. Yeah, yeah, as Candyman, 100%. For the second year in a row. Wait, I didn't get to join in. I was also going to say the same thing. (laughs) Fantastic. Currently undefeated. Okay, I just want to point out he was very porous in some points. Yeah, I mean, before he started rotting. Porous? Yeah, not the hand. Although, Paris did send me pictures of him in that makeup, and he did still look really good with his rotting body. Oh, I want to see this. Actually, I haven't even seen the movie, and I'm so upset that I haven't. I was like, what happened in my life that I missed the episode and missed the movie? You really missed out. I think you were at someone's wedding festivities as you were the whole year. I think you were in Utah. Oh, yes. Actually, yeah, I was. So I wasn't able to access a movie theater. I think we should rename this category to Candymaniest Candyman. I would disagree. I like toxic men, and mine's going to go to Jack Torrance. Oh, damn. Oh, because who doesn't like a shitty dad, huh? Yeah, shitty but hot. Wow. That, I feel like, is controversial. That hairline, though. Yeah. It's those eyes. He's all work and no play, so. My pick is going to be uh, Divergent from those, and it's going to be David specifically as the werewolf in An American Werewolf in London, because when he was a werewolf, he was a very good boy. It's a great answer, but such a lesbian answer. It feels like a cop-out. Yeah, good boy. Well, also, I just want to point out that he was fully naked and we saw Peen, so I think it's a little bit less of a lesbian answer, actually. But you specifically just said... As a werewolf. Well, because he wasn't killing anybody as a human. I'm just saying David, Mm -hmm. the werewolf. Mm -hmm. He's still a werewolf and still a man, but whatever. Mm -hmm. Chris just preferred him when he was hairy. Okay, you know what? Inherent misogyny aside, best daddy goes to Jennifer's body. Jennifer, check. She can be a daddy any day. Okay. I'll allow that. Honestly. No, Jennifer, Jennifer's a zaddy. Moving on. Moving on, indeed, to new and noteworthy. Which of the new releases we had this year felt significant, even if it wasn't the best? Honestly, for me, Halloween Kills. Not that it wasn't the best. It just felt important because of the next one coming. It just feels like we're having a moment of modernity in Halloween. That's not a word, but you know what I'm saying? Modernity, modernity yeah. Yeah, modernity sounds like paternity, so I don't like it. It also sounds like Moderna. Yeah, it all sounds weird. Or maternity. <laughs> we're having a moment in modern times for Halloween, and I really appreciate that. Halloween Kills is a great pick, Ryan. So proud of you. I'm actually going to go Wrong Turn 2021, one of the earliest new releases we got this year. And it's because it managed to take something that I loved when it first came out when I was a kid, but it aged so poorly, right? And we think about just what that movie does in terms of like the representation of Appalachian families. And it turns it into something that I think is more reflective of what that movie should have aimed to do in the first place. I love the modern approach to it. I love the haunting ending of that. I love the version of This Land is Our Land that plays uh, that plays throughout it. Absolute 10 out of 10. Chris, I totally agree. I think it's different because I'm used to this wrong turn that my family and I will make fun of and just have our favorite quotes and everything from these movies. And this is like turning it completely on its head and making the whole franchise look inward, which I truly appreciate. You've all picked some good some good choices here, but I think Candyman definitely felt the most significant culturally. It, it's it's in the zeitgeist, you know. I mean, I feel like this year's Candyman brought Candyman not only into 2021 in terms of like the movie itself, technology, cinematography, everything, but I think culture wise, it did so much more for the character. 
I think in general culture, Mac, you may be right. However, in queer culture, Malignant has made a notable impact this year, quickly becoming one of my favorite horror movies of all time and one of my favorite movies to talk about with my gays. Just couldn't agree less. (laughs) What do you talk about with your gays? Gaming and 3D printing. Nice. We haven't talked about either of those, Ryan. You don't count. You're we're past that. We're not her gays. <laughs> Ryan has other gays. I do talk to Paris about gaming. I I literally do. Ryan, you have other gays though. I do have other gays, but Chris doesn't count as one because we're too close for that. So you count as gaming, and then I think about people at work that I talk to, and we talk about like gaming and. 3D printing and stuff. So not malignant. <laughs> well, on the other side of things, what about a film that deserves an honorable mention? Perhaps it's a horror movie we didn't review on the podcast, but you think it deserves some recognition. I'm going to do a bit of cheating here and go for the most recent season of American Horror Story because it's something in horror that I've been really enjoying and it's a bit different, I think, than what they've done before. Although they always do something different, but it's been, it's really good and really enjoyable, has drawn me in and had me thinking about it for like days, sometimes weeks. I'm really sorry. I thought people stopped watching that show. I'm sorry that you thought that because I'm sure they did. I've never watched anything beyond episode one, but someone told me about this season. And so I watched it. And this is me telling the rest of you about it. It's really, really good. It's very interesting. It's like vampire adjacent. Ooh. I see your show. I raise you another show. And that would be the Chucky TV series because, oh my God, it's absolutely amazing. And I did not see that coming at all. Man, that sounds... I've been wanting to watch both of those so bad. Well, not American Horror Story, but uh, <laughs> the new Chucky series. I'm just clearly lying. Now, I do feel like I cheated just a little bit, but if you're looking for a weird experience... If you want to see something on Shudder that is going to just make you go, what the fuck? There's a movie called Honeydew that I recently heard about from someone at work and then watched and then had to rewatch and then had to rewatch it one more time just for good measure. It is a bizarre sensation and I feel like some of you would actually like it. Name names. Who would like it? Paris. Okay. That's it. (laughs) So why have you never told me about this until just now? Because I wanted to save it for this reveal. Well, do you think I'll watch it? Maybe. No. Another thing I never thought I would watch was this random ass movie I saw, Better Watch Out, which was a Christmas themed horror movie. And I was like, what is this bullshit going to be? It was surprisingly very good. If you are in the mood for a Christmas holiday horror movie that is actually good, check it out. It's from 2016. Do you think I would like it? Honestly, Ryan, perhaps. Okay. Next Christmas. It's on the list. Sure is. You hear that? Mine's going to have to be the taking of Deborah Logan. I watched this with my boyfriend and there's a specific scene and we both were like looking at each other like, what the hell did we just watch? And it's just very interesting because it's kind of crappy in the beginning. You're like, what is this found footage? Like, you know, first person perspective sort of like filming, but then it gets really good. So I'm pretty sure a lot of people have seen it. But if you haven't, I implore you to do so. Alexis, I have seen that movie, and the only thing I remember is the visual that you asked me about off mic, and that enough was impactful for me to be like, mm, I can second that recommendation. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, it, it was very terrifying. And once again, I don't have anything to add here for a few reasons, mostly because we watch so many movies that when I'm not watching movies for the pod, I'll typically limit it uh, to my other passion, which would be like sci-fi, um, or just watch a lot of TV. So TV-wise... That's most of my time on on 
on a screen of any sort, and then I'll spike in a movie here and there, and it's usually going to be one for the pod. The rest of the time, it's going to be like mainstream stuff, you know, like James Bond. Boo. I know. Ryan loves it, but... Yeah, please don't boo James Bond or I'll leave right now. Right. I'm sorry, Mac. Your honorable mention is James Bond. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. It De- is the definitely end. Definitely not. It's the end, which is horrible. Yes. Yeah. So it's the last, you know, Daniel Craig. That's not my honorable mention. Not not at all. Um, but I, I do think if you, if you move from movies into TV, like, I think there's a, a lot of value, uh, to that because you can kind of spread out the horror, which is, which is nice. But I actually didn't really watch a lot of horror this year. I did watch Mayor of Easttown and while not horror, <laughs> it's, it's, it's psychological thriller. So that's the closest I could get. You definitely watch what we do in the shadows is, yeah, it's comedy. It's common. It's it's vampire related, so it's therefore horror adjacent. Exactly. Well, let's wind things down with our ultimate chance of redemption. Retract the hack. If you could go back and alter one of your hacks, which would it be? So this is a category I've been actually looking forward to all year long. And for me, the hack that I need to retract is for Mandy, because that is a movie that I still think about to this day. And while I was really mad with what happened to the titular character and how it was kind of discarded, that poor Mandy girl, what was left in that movie was still very gaggy and something that I recommend to others. So, Mandy, I apologize. I don't support that retraction. I feel like you should have stayed where you were. Where you were. That was where you were meant to be. <laughs> I have for one second thought, should I be retracting my hack for malignant? And then I came back to Earth and realized the answer to that question is no. I think my actual retraction would be Shaun of the Dead. I think I think I was a little too harsh. Should have had more fun with it. I agree. Well, as much shit as I've given Wicker Man from 2006, I think I was pressured by you guys to give it a hack. Um, because essentially, I didn't think it was half bad. I mean, the plot was not okay, but it was to me entertaining so i don't know if i had to retract one that's what it would be not the peer pressure hack okay hold on a second did we pressure you or did you pressure you it's a but mostly b a led to b i actually have no regrets i was really combing through because i'm like surely there's something that i've hacked that i am like questionable on but i think the closest i could ever get is house of a thousand corpses because of how pleasantly i surprised i was but no it's still like really fucked it up in the end and i i stand by the hack i will offer up a retraction that is partially peer pressure based and it's going to be fear streets part one and two and not it's not really peer pressure it's it's recognizing like that it plays to pretty much everyone in pretty much every audience just because I felt like it was too juvenile for me doesn't mean it's not good. Yeah, there's something there, I guess. I can respect that. But let's see if I can respect your answer for the next question, which is rehash the slash. If you could, if you could go back and alter one of your slashes, which would it be? I think possibly Jaws 2. Did I just want to go water skiing? <laughs> was it just the summer of it all? I think it was the summer of it all. That's exactly what it was. And I remember listening to that episode and being like, the only good thing Ryan said in her review was that she likes water skiing. <laughs> it was actually a significant part of the movie. It was like a 10 minute clip. I don't know. They really got me at the right time of year. I agree with that because Spiral got me because I was so excited to have another installment of the Saw franchise. And when I look back, I think I just liked it because it was in the franchise, but honestly, 
I like murder mysteries, psychological thrillers, but I like that separate a little bit from my horror movies. So I would definitely go back and rehash that slash. It's okay. We've all been there. I'm going to stand by my slashes this year. I don't feel bad about them. I don't want to take any of them back. Mac, the category is gun to your head. You have to take back one of your slashes. Which was your weakest of your slashes? If there's a gun to my head, it's already game over. So You're dead. You know, if, yeah, it's at that point, I'm just going to be like, I don't know what to tell you because there's a gun to my head and that's for, you know, so I would be more nervous. And I wouldn't be able to choose anything, but no, I'm not going to take them back. I, I think the slashes that I chose are, are ones that I would, you know, stick to. I don't see a reason to take that away. It's a robot answer. Well, I am a robot, so there you go. For me, there were two movies that I saw when I was going through my slashes, and I was like, what? And those are the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which I did listen back to, and Ryan and I were both in some kind of good mood that day, um, because in hindsight, I don't remember liking very much about the movie. But also, Slacks is a movie that I slashed, and in like looking back, I'm like, that was a movie about sentient pants, and there was a pants dance sequence. Why did I slash this? I do not know. Okay, if you watch it again, you would know. That was a that that movie seemed superficial until it hit you with the backstory of the pants. But I remember the backstory clearly and I'm like in retrospect, eh. That concerns me. You also liked a movie about haunted hair extensions, so not surprising. But would I slash it? Probably not. Actually maybe. I'd have to rewatch. Well, similar to Mac, I have no regrets. In fact, there's only one movie this whole year that I was the only slash on, and that was Mandy from 2018. I guess powers of deduction, if uh, I had to be forced to pick a movie that was a slash to rehash or like a puppy was going to get killed, it would be Mandy. So now I'm the only slash on Mandy? I said if. That's not happening. I still stand by it. Okay, so we're together. Yeah, we're, we're together on this and Black Christmas and Silent Night, Deadly Night. Oh my God, I forgot to mention Billy from that movie was my honorable mention for Hottest Daddy because he had quite the glow up. That's impressive. Well, I think we've all had our own personal glow ups this year as we've you know worked to recover from the mess that was 2020. So let's have a little bit of human time here. It's a positive personal thing that's happened to you. This year for me, I went the hardest I've ever gone grinding as hard as I can working my butt off literally at some points working until I've injured myself and hurt myself. But I've been sharing a lot of my work, doing a lot more work than I normally do. And like doing stuff like sharing sculptures with people, which is really weird. People seeing my work, it's very different from graphic design stuff. So that's been a big move for me this year. And I'm really proud and excited to keep building on it next year. So what you're saying is you followed your dreams. I've been following my dreams, as gross as that sounds. <laughs> Can I tell you how impressive it is to see where you are now and think back to that day that you bought your iPad Pro and how that's like changed the course of your life? Literally all happened because Chris made me buy an iPad. Oh my God, I love that. I was a stranger who walked into a room and they asked my opinion. That's true. That's how we met. There could be 99 people in a room giving their opinion. And it just takes that one. It's basically a rom-com at this point. <laughs> I think I've had a good bit happen to me this year. I mean, I got married. So that was the biggest and brightest, most positive thing that happened this year. Um, more recently, though, we also got a puppy. And she is absolutely adorable. A couple months old, so real, really young still. But she's going to grow up to be somewhere up to 100 pounds. 
So we'll, we'll, we'll see in the next couple of years kind of how that goes. That, that could be a bigger ball of energy for sure. But, uh, it's, you know, it's great. You get to come home and the puppy will chew the crap out of everything. So your fingers, your clothing, uh, your toes, she'll bite you on the neck. She doesn't care because that's just their love language is biting. But it's still like one of those great things where when you've had a long day at work and you get to just, you know, pet your, your, your good little pup, it just makes everything all right. Um, may I add, she did not bite me. Because she doesn't love you. She didn't, but yeah, well, you were a guest, so she didn't know you enough. If you would have stuck around, she would have bitten you. But it's not like a bite, like like a painful, like I'm going to try to hurt you. It's like, a, I'm just gently gnawing on you, and it's going to hurt because my teeth are sharp, but I don't mean it like that. Yeah, I love bite, obviously. So I think a highlight of this year for me was definitely going to Max's wedding and being in the car for 16 hours with Ryan. I feel like we really bonded. And I love that we were sending Chris photos of us throughout the entire trip, like of us in a bathtub and like in bed together. You can say it. It was hot. It's like you always ship a brunette and a blonde together. And honestly, you're just you're too perfect together. <laughs> I think at one point we literally took prom pictures together outside of Max's wedding. I remember that. <laughs> we really did. And <laughs> and drank an entire bottle of whiskey before his reception started. It was great. It was classy. a vibe. Yeah, we were classy. Hey, we, we kept it classy. We did keep it classy. Okay. Had a great time. Ryan's, I want to dance with somebody dance. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. I danced with the bride. It was really lovely. For me, something pretty unexpected happened this year, and I went viral on TikTok accidentally by being a complete stupid bitch, as you listeners are quite familiar with. Um, but I posted a video ranking the top five hottest bugs from a bug's life, and have since amassed a following of over 200,000 people, and I've made over $6,000 in real cash money from being a person on the internet. So... This has been delightful for me because I'm nothing if not a stupid bitch. And if I can monetize being a stupid bitch, count me in. Can we also get something related to Hacker Slash? Top five something? Hottest something? We did top five hottest killers in horror movies, which I do need to revisit because I forgot Jennifer Check, which means the whole list is garbage. Right. You do have some cleanup work to do there. For me, one of the biggest highlights of this year was actually getting promoted at work, which has come with a... Uh, a, a bounty of more busyness, right? But it does provide a level of stability where I, I talk to, you know, my team about this all the time, where I feel like I can breathe for the first time since I was 15 in terms of like just financial stability. So that's really exciting. It's something I've been working for for like seven years, really since getting out of the Navy. And it feels refreshing to finally be here. Yes, we're so, so proud of Chrysler. Oh, thanks. Yeah, because you really can't put a price on that feeling of being able to financially breathe. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I'm also very proud of you. And you are the most deserving of this position of anybody I've ever seen get it. That's oh, right. wow. Aww. Not Paris hitting me in my feelings. Ooh, I'm not used to that. Stop. Same. That's an objective fact from one Capricorn <laughs> to another. Literally an objective fact. That's what makes it better, Paris. <laughs> That's true. No person has ever disagreed. Thank you. But after a moment of reflection, let's look back on some of the goals that we set for ourselves in 2021 and really set the path for 2022. So previously, I've mentioned wanting to be scared by movies and kind of gave up on that goal. I mentioned wanting to do better on the birthday episode this year. And I, you know, I dropped the ball. I, I dropped the ball. I had a really good ending planned. And it just seemed like you guys wanted to keep things going. And so I didn't go with it. Um, but aside from that, I, I still think it was a ton of fun. Therefore, I will count that as a success. 
Oh my God. I actually hadn't looked back yet. And my previous goals were be more casually active on Patreon. And oh my God, I am. You actually are. I like literally am. I even made my own little, uh, I put my picture there so people would know what I look like. It's, it's crazy. The other goal was to push our graphics to a new level, which I wouldn't say that I've done, but as a whole, we've made some big changes to how our podcast looks. And I think it's really exciting. It's mostly the work of Chris, mostly the planning of Chris. I just usually sit in as like a consultor. Chris says, what do you think of this? And I say, yes, you're great. Thank you. You're amazing. You can't just sit here and understate the value that you bring to moving this three pixels to the left, and then it changes the whole game. I am here for the balance of the grid. That is a gift. My goal last year was to watch a movie and record an episode with Mac, Ryan, and Alexis. And I have since checked off one of those from my list. Saw Candyman with Ryan this year, got to meet her lovely little face in person, see that we are in fact the same shoe size, and I regret nothing about this meeting. It was really lovely. But 2022, we need a proper reunion, hopefully with some kind of like haunted house storyline that we do. I would really love a group moment together with the rest of you. Agreed, but Alexis is not going to be there for a haunted house moment. Yep, I will not be going into a haunted house at all. Alexis, what if we're together, though? Because I'm also very scared of haunted houses, but it's like fun. Yeah, I don't think it's fun. That's the thing. I'll hold you the whole time. I'm historically not afraid. I'll end up being the caboose making jokes. I need the group filled with that, and then Mac has to hold me. I'm sure we can get it arranged. (laughs) I'm glad I'm only here for my body. So my goal for 2021 was to become more knowledgeable about horror history and essentially improve the quality of the gore score going throughout the year. I think I'm doing better. You know, there's some movies where there's no information, but I think what's happening is I'm actually getting really interested in the facts and, you know, how much blood is this? You know, what sort of props were used? Was CGI used? And, you know, I think it's really interesting to find all those facts. Yeah, I think you've definitely grown there and it's been it's been lovely to have like the little bit of information that we wouldn't normally get added in. I totally agree, Alexis. You've hit it out of the park this year with the gore score. Thank you. It's not just a number anymore. It's a fantasy. So looking back on my goal for twenty twenty one, it was really just in terms of like steering the show in a particular direction. I had a goal of hopefully us breaking fifteen thousand subscribers consistently. And then also really setting the foundation because I suspected and really hoped that maybe we'd hit our patron goal and then we'd be able to expand into video content on the other side of that, which is really interesting. So we actually did hit 15,000, but it was brief. So we hit 15,000, then it kind of like dipped below. I really want to work towards like sustaining that. Now, some of the things that we did were uh, redoing the whole like infrastructure of the podcast and our RSS feed. So I switched us away from Squarespace and into like a proper podcast distribution platform. And I, I toyed around with some ideas for video content. But I think when it comes down to setting a goal for 2022, I really want to build on a, a strong foundation. So in January, so tomorrow, uh, we're going to be launching YouTube. And that's going to first have full-length versions of our episodes. It's going to be the episode graphic with some waveforms for the sake of discoverability. But I really want to expand more into finding a way that maybe once in a blue moon, we can have some kind of video content that we create uh, to consistently put up there. Yeah, I think that would be so exciting. I would have to be cuter when we record episodes. So so funny. You said the same thing last year. I know I did because that's what I feel immediately when you say video, anything. I'm like, oh God, I have to do my hair. Yeah, you said full glam, nothing less. 
I also, though, a separate goal, right, is to look at how we are engaging with our patrons. And I really want to see how we can plan a live show or stream specifically for patrons. Like, let them listen in on the recording process. I love that. I love that. They'll hear me say, I'm a lot. <laughs> and <laughs> bleh, and uh, word vomit. Uh, but, uh, but, uh. Yeah, I think some of that stuff would be lovely because our patrons seem to care about what we have to say, which is mind blowing. Speaking of patrons, one of my goals for 2022 is one to start streaming video games, specifically Dead by Daylight with Chris, and hopefully leverage my TikTok following to get them to listen to the pod. Also, just to meet the rest of this team in person. Uh, I mentioned that already, but I got to meet the gals and Mac. Mac, you're one of the gals. Thank you. But also one of my goals, and I've been working on this with no success, is to convince Chris Rojas to monetize the podcast with proper sponsors, because I don't think the listeners will mind. Just skip the ads, listeners. I do it all the time with my podcasts, and just let your favorite podcasters make a little bit of money. I think there's more to it than that, but sure. What more is there to it? Um, I don't know. (laughs) This is a high-quality product that deserves revenue. Sure, but like... Is it so simple to just say, hi, we're going to have sponsors now? It could be. Could it be? It was easy for you because you started making videos. <laughs> we have a ton of followers. Any Brooklinen Casper mattress would be happy to advertise on here. Do you need a better bed for your shutter and chill? Okay, there, there's a there's a ploy. Yeah. This is Chris's other full-time job. Let her get paid. This is actually Chris's full-time job. And I support Chris getting paid, but she's not gonna, she's not gonna do that. She's not gonna do random sponsors. But also, is it as simple as just saying, hi, I want sponsors? I feel like it's not. So my goal for 2022 was kind of inspired by Freya, who we had on our podcast uh, for Scream 4. And, you know, she was talking about the horror movie she likes and some of her favorite, which I realized I had never heard of. So my goal for 2022 is to expand and kind of diversify our lineup that we have and, you know, reach out. And I see our followers on Instagram and Twitter, and I see what they're watching. I see you out there, Rob. So I just want to take those recommendations and, you know, maybe get y'all's a little bit too. And, you know, try to just expand what we're watching and what we're talking about on our podcast. Yes. Expand um, aside from things like Basket Case, you know, like... Fill those spaces with something that seems more interesting like honeydew. That was not my choice. (laughs) No, I I know. I would never blame you for any of our choices. I think that's a good good goal, though, because it it is one of those things like someone like Freya, who clearly is passionate about horror. It's really intriguing to hear her talk about stuff that she cares about that I've never heard of. So yeah, I think that's a great goal for me. I want to help Chris with us having more plans for things ahead of time because we often have really cool plans for holidays and different times of year, things that we could do, just like silly stuff that everybody does sometimes. It's just like stickers for Halloween, right? Or or Valentine's Day cards that we've literally been talking about for two years. So next year, I'd like to try to get those things planned ahead of time so that we can execute a little more of the exciting stuff like having posters for new patrons in October. Like that was an awesome thing that we did. Chris handled all the back end of that, but we went in with a plan beforehand. So more of that would be awesome. I have a goal of changing my subtitle, my name. I don't know what you would call that. My moniker from the Superfly Space Guide is something that can be put onto merch for Hacker Slash. <laughs> oh, damn. Mac famously can't have merch because Superfly Space Guy looks like shit on everything we try to put it on. <laughs> I know. So this is, this is why I'll need to come up with a new moniker. Maybe everyone, maybe our, our, our listeners 
can actually think of something that better describes me, even if it's insulting, maybe. I don't know. But, you know, I think there's probably something else out there that would work. Wait. Android. Yeah. Unfappable Android. Unscarable. Well, we need an adjective. It can't just be Android. Work with me, team. I'm the only person that has an adjective. That's right. Gore lover. Oh, well, it needs to be two words, I guess. There was a previous host who had something to do with robots. And so I, I kind of want to stay away from the Android thing. Oh, you'd be you'd be great. I mean, honestly, no one's even thinking about that anymore. You are the logical robot, and it's great. That narrative has been erased. Or like the asexual android. (laughs) (laughs) Different route. Okay, there's something there. Well, I personally love each and every one of those goals, and I'm so excited for the work that we have ahead of us. Really, you know, this has been an absolutely incredibly fulfilling year for this show. You know, thinking back to like when I started the show in 2017 and I had no idea that it would become what it has right now. And that's thanks to our listeners for supporting us and showing up to our feed and our downloads. But it's also thanks to all of you, you four here for showing up every week and devoting your time. So thank you. You know what, Chris? Thank you. Thank you for creating this space for us to make literally make new friends like never had met alexis until the podcast made a friend still haven't met paris made a friend and this is something we can look forward to every single week and i know that some of our listeners do too they tell us all the time that like this is something they do when they're getting ready or when they've had a crap day or when they're driving to work and it's kind of insane to think that like we do this to help us kind of unwind from our week as well but also i listen to this pod when i'm getting ready too so it's all worth it it's by us for us also all of our new patrons because they love us it's weird it's so weird or like rob hate us i don't know maybe you're paying to hate us i don't get it well either way we're here for it and we want to hear from you as we continue to look forward into 2022 now keep in mind there are a number of ways you can reach out to us to really share your opinions on some of these awards and send us what your picks would have been starting with our website hackerslash.live or on our social media accounts on facebook instagram and twitter and if you listen to all of our episodes this year, you can reach out to our Hackerslash hotline and let us know about it. You can call us, text us, or leave us a voicemail at 757-606-0128 or visit hackerslash.live to send us an audio message. Or if you already have a better name, instead of the Superfly Space Guy, you can send us an email to feedback at hackerslash.com. And if you've enjoyed listening to this episode, consider becoming one of our many patrons whom we love so dearly. You can visit patreon.com slash hackerslash to earn cool perks for as low as $1 a month. We'll see you next time, folks, and have a happy new year. Bye.